0: Glorious day, amen? Especially for those of you recovering from Vacation Bible School, myself included, and I have the scars to prove it. It was a glorious time for all, amen? We had over 20 different kids come, averaged about 13 a night. I want to thank all of the volunteers, everybody, even if you weren't here, those of you that prayed for us, provided food, everything. It was a church effort. It wasn't just a few of us, amen? One of the neatest things that we enjoyed was we had some neighbor kids come that live here close to the church. And after the first night, they nearly beat me here, and you all know how early I get here. They were excited to come. I was talking to Elder Kowalski about it earlier this morning, and he said, you know, how many many invitations have we sent to the houses close here to the school? A lot. Right? But we reached those children, didn't we? They came. The mission field is right here outside of our door. And so success breeds more work. Because next year we're going to try to do two. I think Jacob mentioned that during personal ministry's time. We're going to try to do two next summer. So please pray for that. Keep that in your prayers. And be sure to come and help us. Before we open the word of God, let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly and Merciful Father, Lord, once again we thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for the blessings, the glories, and the responsibilities that you've given us, Lord. And Lord, we thank you so much for the means and the tools and the laborers to carry out your work. Lord, now we ask you to send your Holy Spirit. Bring your words to my mouth. As I open the Bible, please, Lord, guide us to your truth, so that we will follow you always. We ask this all in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Believing is seen. How many read that and thought, that's a typo? Anybody? We often hear seen as believing, don't we? That's a very popular saying, especially in our culture today, right? It's actually a very accurate idea, too, if you think about it. We believe what we see. In fact, most of the time, we need to see it before we'll believe it. Amen? We trust what we see more than we do from our other senses. Our ears, our taste, our touch, and our smell can easily be fooled. More easily than our eyes. Friends, our bodies are a complicated but marvelous and powerful gift, which include amazing capabilities that are only possible by a loving Creator God. Amen? The human eye is remarkable. It rapidly adjusts to changing light conditions, and it focuses light rays originating from various distances from the eye. When all the components of your eye function properly, light is then converted into impulses conveyed to the brain where an image is perceived and interpreted or seen of what we think we're seeing. It could be said, though, that the brain is the true organ of sight, not the eye. What is projected by the brain as a result of the messages coming from the eye is the image that we see and as we perceive as real. In reality, our brains really are the main organ of sight. Light and the brain are important components of being able to see. In fact, without them, our eyes would be useless. Think about that. It's a complex system. Now, the Bible is full of amazing visual events, amen? Miracles and messages that people could actually see with their own eyes. They lived those experiences. They saw them. They touched them. Friends, this is what occurs in the natural world. However, there's another set of eyes that God has given us. He gave us this so that we could see the things of heaven that would allow us to see the supernatural. These eyes are spiritual. They're not physical. But the images they produce are so real and so vivid, and they can affect the way we live dramatically. The Bible calls this the eyes of faith. These eyes are focused on the unseen things of above, which cannot be explained or understood by the human mind. We can't perceive in our brains and calculate what they are based on physical things we see in the world. Turn me to Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42, verse 5. This is Job speaking. He says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Did Job see the Lord in person when he's talking here? No. Job was not talking about a literal, visual sight of God. He meant that the shadow of unbelief caused by self-righteousness had been removed. And his faith saw the being of God as glorious and a living reality. It wasn't his physical eyes. He was talking about the eyes of faith. He says, through faith I see God. Today's call to worship, Psalm chapter 25, verse 15, it says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. David is telling us that our faith must be constantly in exercise. It must always be growing. Notice he says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. Not sometimes. Not when I come to church on Sabbath. Not when I come to prayer meeting. Not in my devotionals always. David said our eyes should always be on the load, ever on the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, we're told that Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. How do you see who's invisible? You can't with your physical eyes, right? It's amazing that he uses the word, the writer of Hebrews uses the word invisible. It says, Moses was able to persevere through many trials and afflictions because of his faith in God. His heart was sustained through faith. Faith that occupied his very being with God and God only. My friends, faith is frequently represented in Scripture under the metaphor of bodily sight. Turn to John chapter 8. Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 56. John, chapter 8, verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Jesus himself is telling us of the great patriarch that Abraham was rejoiced to see my day. He says he actually saw it was glad, meaning that his faith looked forward to the day of Christ's humiliation and ultimately Christ's exaltation. Did Abraham see that in person? No, but Jesus says his faith allowed him to see forward to it. His faith allowed him to see how it was going to happen, and he trusted the Lord that that was going to be how it happened. In Acts chapter 28, verse 18, Paul's commission under the Gentiles, quote, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God. This was Paul's commission. This was his mission. He was to open their eyes. Now, was he to open their eyes to see Jesus in person? No, Jesus is gone by Acts 28, amen? What eyes was he to open? Their eyes of faith. Paul was called to be a divine instrument of their conversion through preaching to them through the word of faith. And to the wayward children of of Galatia, Paul wrote, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been plainly set forth as crucified among you? He says, This truth is plain for you to see even though they're not seeing it right then. He's talking about their eyes of faith. You have been given enough information. You have been given enough proof. You have been given enough spiritual witnessing that you must exercise your eyes of faith and decide for yourself if you're going to believe and follow him. Now, as I said, faith is symbolized as sight throughout the Bible. And when Scripture speaks of faith through the symbolism of sight, It's writers are doing something more than just using an illustrious figure of speech. They're not just using the eye as a pictorial symbol. We must remember that the author of Scripture is the very one who first formed our eyes, amen? That marvelous organ of vision God himself created though. God created the human eye so as to strikingly show in the visible that which now plays so prominent a part and the Christian's dealing with the invisible. Everything in the material world is a shadow of some great reality in the spiritual realm. And as we should perceive had we but sufficient wisdom to discern that fact, God gave us that discernment. He says, I gave you this beautiful, powerful eye to see the natural world, but that wasn't my real purpose. My real purpose was so that you would know who created everything you see. You would know who is in charge, who is in control, and ultimately, he who can save you. Now friends, this topic lends itself to a very broad area of study, but today I'm going to focus on the eye of the body as it symbolizes the faith of the heart. First off, the human eye is a passive organ. It does not send out light from itself nor does it give anything to the objects we look at. It doesn't add anything to the world. The eye cannot communicate to the sun, the moon, and the stars when it gazes upon them. The eye merely receives the print or image of them to our minds without adding anything to those actual objects. Friends, it's the same with faith. Faith gives nothing unto God. Or to what it beholds in the word of his grace. We add nothing to God. He doesn't need anything added to him. Faith simply receives or takes them into our heart as they are presented to the view in the light of the divine revelation. Faith is for us. Turn to Isaiah chapter 45, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. Isaiah says, you add nothing to Christ when you look unto him and are saved. But he also says, that's the only way to get saved. is to look unto God. Now friends, the human eye is also a directing organ. A man that has the light of day and his eyes open can see his way, Amen. And he's less likely to stumble into ditches or fall into a cavern as a blind man or one who walks at night. Think about the difference between walking in the daylight and walking at night. At night, we're really careful, aren't we? We're trying to gather as much light as we can. We're walking a little bit carefully. We don't walk as sure-footed. We move with trepidation at night, being careful where we step. But during the day, we move with confidence. With greater speed, as our eyes are able to process the things we see around us quickly and with greater surety, our brain is able to to process all of the things we're seeing as we're walking in the daylight. Friends, it's the same with faith. Proverbs chapter 4 tells us, The way of the wicked is as darkness, but the path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. Faith is like walking in the daylight but brighter daylight than we can ever imagine. The Apostle Paul tells us as Christians, we walk by faith, not by sight. That's important. This is the very essence of the difference between seeing as believing and believing as seeing. Paul says the human eye is a wonderful creation, and it's a tremendous gift from God. But we must trust our faith even more. By looking unto Jesus, we are enabled to complete the race that is set before us. Now friends, the eye is also a very fast-functioning organ. It's able to process information from a very fast distance. Within a fraction of a second, I can turn my gaze from things lying on the ground and focus it on the mountains and discern immediately what the difference is, immediately process the things that I'm seeing at different distances. Even more expansive, I can look away from the things on the earth and look into the stars. And in a moment, I can view the entire expanse of space. What a marvel that is. Friends, I'm here to tell you, even more powerful is the power of faith. Faith is indeed a quick-sighted grace, taking up things at a great distance, just as the faith of the patriarchs did, who saw the things promised far off, Think about what they were told that they did not get to see. But they believed them, amen? They trusted them. They believed everything God told them was going to happen, even with the things that weren't in their lifetimes. Also in a split second, faith may look back to eternity past and view the everlasting springs of divine love active on its behalf before the foundations of the earth were even laid. And then in the same breath, it can turn itself towards eternity yet to come and take a view of the hidden glories of the heavenly world. Friends, faith is all-encompassing. It can grab a hold of the past, the present, and the future blessings of the Lord. It can strengthen and guide us towards our glorious salvation. Now, the eye is a small organ, especially in the scheme of our bodies, amen? But I'm here to tell you, friends, it's a very spacious organ. The man who has his eyes open sees all that comes within the range of his vision. With our eyes open, we can look around and see things behind, forward, and view things ahead. We can see downward upon the waters in a well or in a stream at the bottom of a deep ravine. We can look upwards and gaze upon the celestial bodies in the distant world. And it's the same with faith. Faith extends itself unto everything that lies within the vast compass of God's word. Faith takes the knowledge of things in the distance past and it grabs a hold of things yet to come. Faith comprehends the concept of the lake of fire for the wicked. And faith looks forward, looks forward into the glories of heaven. Only faith will allow you to see those things. We haven't seen them with our eyes. We don't really know physically what they look like. But God's word tells us, and through faith, we can conceptualize what they really mean. Faith is able to discern the wickedness and trappings of the world all around us it is also true that there may be a genuine faith which takes in but a little light of divine revelation at first. Once again, earthly facts accurately reveal a shadow of this spiritual truth, a symbol, another symbol that God has given us. Think about the eye of an infant. The eye of an infant takes in light. It perceives external objects, but with A good deal of weakness and confusion until it grows, develops, matures. And then its vision extends further and further and gets more sharp. Friends, it's the same with the eye of faith. At first, the light of spiritual knowledge is but dim. The babe in Christ is unable to see afar off. But as our faith grows deeper and deeper into God's glory and revelations, it will come to be swallowed up upon an open vision. The eye is also a very convincing sense. Think about all of our bodily senses. Touch, smell, taste, hearing, and sight. As I mentioned earlier, of all of those, which one do we trust the most? Our eyes. We trust what we see more than those other senses. What are we more sure of, the things we see? Friends, I'm here to tell you that some fools may seek to persuade themselves that matter is a mental delusion, but no one in their right mind will believe them. Matter is real. God made it. If a man sees the sun shining in the sky, he knows it's daytime. If he sees a curtain of darkness in the sky, he knows it's night. In like manner, faith is a grace which carries in its very nature a great deal of certainty. We all know the scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the definition of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Friends, that's the Bible definition of faith. I often use that very definition when I'm discussing this with atheists. You've heard me say this in many sermons, Bible studies. It requires much more faith to be an atheist than it does a Christian. Tell them that it's a religion. And you've got an argument on your hands. But I can prove it. (laughs) Skeptics may deny the divine inspiration of scriptures, but when the eye of faith has gazed upon its supernatural beauties, the point is settled once and for all. Others may accuse Jesus as simply being a foolish myth. But once the saint of God has really beheld the Lamb of God, it can say, I know that my Redeemer lives. It doesn't say I think. It doesn't say might. It says, I know my Redeemer lives. Our faith will be being compared to it, is even stronger than the human eye. Friends, we see the divine. We grasp a hold of his glory. His sufferings and his love. And we know more than any physical thing we can see with our own eyes that our Redeemer lives. The human eye is also a very impressing organ. What we see leaves an impression on our minds, doesn't it? That's why David extols us. In Psalms chapter 119, verse 37, he extols us to pray the prayer turn away my eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. This is also why the prophet told us in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 51 what I see brings grief to my soul. Friends, once again, we look at the natural world as an example. If we look steadily at the sun for more than a few moments, what happens? An impression of the sun is still in our eyes when we look away. It is the same with faith. True faith leaves an impression of the sun of righteousness upon our hearts. Psalms 34, verse 5 says, Those who look to him are radiant with joy. He's not just talking about those who saw him in person. He's talking about the vast multitudes who have seen him through the eyes of faith. The Apostle Paul continues in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass of glory the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. Notice Paul's usage of the symbolism of vision to describe faith. Paul is also reinforcing a very stern counsel that we become what we gaze upon. We are what we put our faith in. This is why we are counseled not to even gaze upon evil things. Paul tells us, in fact, we will be changed into the same image that we put our eyes and our faith upon. Friends, this is a glorious promise, but it's also an ominous warning. It's a two-edged sword, isn't it? But I prefer to focus on the positive edge of that sword. As the mighty power of Christ will, in that glorious coming day, transform the bodies of his people from mortality to life and from dishonor to glory, so also does the Holy Spirit right now exert a moral transforming power on the character of those who are his. The Holy Spirit Will transform your character if you have faith. Selected Messages, Volume 2, page 242. Mrs. White says, Keep looking unto Jesus, offering up silent prayers in faith, taking hold of his strength, whether you have any manifest feeling or not. She's saying, Whether you feel something physically or not, keep looking to Jesus. In fact, she says, Don't look for the physical. That might be just an emotional high. Go right for it as if every prayer offered was lodged in the throne of God and responded to by the one whose promises never fail. Go right along, singing and making melody to God in your hearts, even when depressed by a sense of weight and sadness. I tell you as one who knows, light will come. Joy will be ours, and the mists and clouds will be rolled back, and we pass from the oppressive power of the shadow and darkness into the clear sunshine of his presence. Notice all the visual symbols throughout that paragraph? From from cover to cover of that one paragraph, it's full of visual symbolism. The prophet is telling us, no, she's beseeching us to exercise our eyes of faith. She says, call upon God in faith. Call upon God even in the darkest hour, especially in the darkest hour. Trust the Lord in all things, is what the prophet tells us. Friends, the eye is a miraculous organ. Our most learned scientists and medical experts confirm that the eye is one of the most marvelous and remarkable of any part of the human body. In fact, they also say it's one of the most complicated. Think about that. One of the smallest organs in our body is one of the most complicated. Here we are in the 21st century with all of our medical knowledge and technological advancements. We've heard about them here in our church today, all the healing. My friends, that's only possible through God. Yet we still cannot do an eye transplant. Did you know that? Some of you say, wait a minute, Dan, I heard that they can do eye transplants. They cannot. They can insert artificial lenses for those who have been clouded with cataracts. They can do corneal transplants, the front of the eye. We can modify the shape of the front of the eye to correct our vision. We can even repair damage to parts of our eyes. But we cannot transplant an entire eye for a blind person or someone who has lost an eye. We simply cannot figure out how to make a transplanted eye connect to the brain and make it work. Wasn't a problem for God, was it? Friends, there's much wisdom and power of the creator to be discovered in the formation, in the operation of the human eye. There is no way that the human eye could have happened randomly. And I want you to think about this. The human eye is only one of the many complex organs in the entire human body all which work in perfect unison. Honest scientists today admit that this could not have happened in a random manner. And a creation is a result of a higher power. We have science acknowledging that it could not happen randomly. Now friends, just as the human eye is a wondrous creation from God, faith is a grace that is marvelously and wondrously wrought in our very being. There's more wisdom and power of the divine workman discovered in the formation of the grace of faith than in of any other part of the new creature. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 11. Therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Paul's telling us that God will fulfill all of his promises to the believer. He will bestow his goodness upon us, and he will reward our work of faith with power. He says, you exercise the eyes of faith, and I will give you power. I will give you more power than you can conceive. Scripture tells us exactly the kind of power that God will bestow upon those who show faith in him. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Friends, this is the great exceeding power that was put forth by God in the raising of Christ from the dead. He says this will be exerted upon when it knows who believe. He will give us the same miraculous power that he gave Christ over death if we will believe in him. Friends, this is a powerful promise and one that should cause us all to tremble with excitement and anticipation. The same God who raised and resurrected Jesus is offering us the same gift, the same power in our lives. All we have to do is surrender to him, to trust him in all things. In today's scripture reading, John chapter 11, Jesus is telling Martha that faith in God is a requirement to see God. Think about that. I want to know what is required to see God, amen? Jesus tells us, believe. Believe in me. Well, the human eye is also a very delicate organ. It can be easily damaged, amen? A tiny speck of dust will cause pain, cause your eye to weep. I want you to think about how you feel when you get something in your eye. Not only does your eye water and your vision blurs, but so does the other eye. Friends, I only have one eye, and if I get something in that eye, my other eye thinks I got something in that. Makes you, your whole body contract. Makes you feel uncomfortable, doesn't it? It feels like your whole body is contorting for a little speck in your eye. The very thought of not being able to see causes panic, doesn't it? Because we rely on our eyes so much. While our arms and legs may be the engine, our eyes bring the fuels and the direction for that engine to direct its energy. We don't know where our arms and legs are going or need to go until we process what we see and what we want to do. Once again, God has given us a natural example to point us towards a spiritual end. Note how our body deals with a foreign object in our eyes. God designed this wonderful organ with a very unique way to recovery. It weeps out the dust that gets into it. It causes it to seep out, to weep out slowly sometimes. Friends, that foreign object in your eye is a shadow of sin in your life. Sin is a foreign object that was never meant to exist in this world or in our hearts. Just as he has given us the remedy for dust in our eyes, God has also given us the remedy to remove sin from our lives, amen? The precious blood of Jesus will weep out the dust of sin from our lives, from our hearts just as our tears weep out the dust from our eyes, it will remove that foreign object and it will restore us to new. Friends, just as our eyes are a delicate organ, faith is a most delicate grace. Thriving best in a pure conscience. The Apostle Paul speaks of this in 1 Timothy 3, verse 9, with his admonition, holding the mystery of faith, in a pure conscience. Paul's telling Timothy, your heart needs to be right with God. The mystery of faith relies in that. Now interestingly here, if you study the context of 1st Timothy, especially chapter 3, Paul's writing to Timothy about leadership in the church. Something that we should take to heart as we embark on choosing our church leaders. During this nominating process, right? Think about that. This lively exercise of faith is soon marred by the dust of sin or the vanities of the world getting into the heart, where it then gets deep seated. Once that sin gets in there, it's hard to get out, isn't it? Same thing when we, when we get dust in our eyes and we rub it. What do we do? We make it worse. Wherever true faith is, if it is hurt by sin, it vents its way in the way of godly sorrow. Just as we weep when we get dust or dirt in our eyes, God himself weeps when we allow sin into our hearts. Friends, that breaks God's heart. And he weeps. The Bible's very clear. As we've studied... We use our eyes for many things, amen? Walking, eating, reading, working. But most importantly, we use our eyes for discernment. That is where that popular saying, seeing is believing, comes from. The world says, I am going to discern, I'm going to make judgment. I am going to draw conclusions on things based on what I see. That's where that saying comes from. That's what discernment is. Our eyes take in information and we make decisions or discern on what we see. Well, friends, faith is also a vehicle of discernment. In fact, the Bible itself tells us that it's the most trustworthy tool of discernment. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. For the love of Christ compelled, or I'm sorry, I'm in verse 5, chapter 5. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The Apostle Paul's warning us about deception. Warning us to not trust the things of the world. Not to trust the things we see. Think about the great deceptions of the Bible. What did they focus on? What the people saw, right? They were most often deceived by visual deception. Jesus himself warned us, didn't he? Don't trust what you see. The spirit of prophecy issues the same warning of what we will face in end times. Testimonies to the church, volume 9, verse 47. The deep plotting of Satan. I want to know about this. How about you? The deep plotting of Satan will reveal itself everywhere for the purpose of diverting the attention of men and women from present duty. She says, the deep plotting will reveal itself. There will be signs and wonders, but the eye of faith will discern in all these manifestations, harbingers of the grand and awful future, and the triumph that await the people of God. Notice she says that the eye of faith will not only reveal these manifestations as false, but our faith will also tell us that our victory is near, that our victory is at the door. She says these are scary things that we're going to see. But she says, take great joy also. Because when we see those things, the end is right there. That's a hard thing, isn't it? It's hard for us to say, all these bad things and all these crazy deceptions going on. How can I be happy? Jesus and the prophet tells us. Because we know his hour is near at the very doorstep. I want to tell you a quick story this past week. Just three days ago at work, I was having a discussion with a very dear friend of mine, a very sincere Christian. We have lots of theological discussions. Mainly, he changes the subject to politics. (laughs) We were discussing politics, in fact. And he said, I can't believe all the crazy things going on in the world. I can't believe what I'm seeing. And then he said, not me, didn't the Bible say something about that? course, you guys know I didn't take advantage of that, right? Man, I jumped all over that. Yes, it did. (laughs) It did. It said, and I told him, I said, think about this. If you don't trust the things you're seeing in the secular world, what do you think is going to happen at the end of time in the spiritual world? And he said, hmm. Then, I went in The kill shot. He's a rapture kind of guy. I says, in fact, Jesus Himself tells us if they tell you to go out in the desert and look for me, don't go. I said, They tell you that because it's going to look so real. It will fool you. Everybody, I like a lot of people say, Well, I'm strong in the faith, Dan, it doesn't matter. I can look upon because I Jesus says, Don't do it. Jesus Himself says, Don't. Do it. His answer was, where is that in the Bible? Man, did I type an email about like that. Friends, as I get ready to wrap up, the, the most famous, the most popular, the most well-used criticism of this whole discussion is, well, that all sounds good, Dan but I'm a show-me type of person. You hear it all the time, right? We have a state that's called the show-me state. It says, people will tell you, I need to see something before I will believe in it. And of course, our normal answer is what? It's in here, right? And that's a good answer, but not for many non-believers. Because right off the bat, they don't... They're not grounded in the truth of this or the veracity of it or the historical proof yet. They come back and say, show me that the things in that Bible are true. And we can do that if we have the time, but what if it's a quick discussion, a a random happenstance and people that we happen upon? And I'm going to give you a very easy tool to answer that show me person. They say, well, I don't believe in something unless I see it. And so then you ask them, do you believe in a billion dollars? Have you ever seen it? I've used that before, and I've had people walk away from me grumbling. (laughs) They don't have an answer. Friends, it's just simple but it leads you to much deeper discussions, don't it? In fact, the Bible says, many of the things we're asked to believe, we won't see. We didn't get to see Jesus walk the earth, did we? But we believe, amen? We believe because we've seen what the power of the Holy Spirit will do in our hearts. We see the transformation in our friends and our families, our Christians, brothers and sisters. But most of all, We have our own conversion experience. Friends, that's the most powerful witness that there is. Nobody can argue with that. Not rationally. Friends, the Lord has given us a wonderful and powerful gift in our bodies. He has endowed us with abilities that we still do not comprehend today, and we will not comprehend before he comes. Yet I believe that we often get lost in the marvel of our own self. Just as the enemy did with our first parents, he has convinced us that our power is ours and that we are masters of creation. Of course, friends, that is the path of ruin and wreckage. And man has been paying the price for believing what he saw rather than allowing God to show us his light through faith. Everything in creation points to a creator God. The same creation also provides shadows and symbols for us to better understand God and his character. Well, it is easy to revel, revel in our power of our faculties, of the strength of our intellect, which, friends, is tremendous. We are the most powerful being that has ever walked this earth because of God. There's no denying that. The problem is is that we've put ourselves above God the very creator of the power that we are worshiping now God has revealed himself to us visually through creation through Scripture and through Jesus Christ and he reveals himself to us spiritually through the Holy Spirit God has done more than enough to give us a reason to believe he has provided us with a solid foundation. But that foundation must be built upon with faith, with trust, and most of all, with love. With this faith, friends, we will find that believing is really seen. Friends, I ask you, search your hearts, spend time on your knees, strengthen your faith so that you do not remain a babe in Christ. Not only for your own salvation, but for the lifting up of others. As your faith grows, your power to reach others will grow. You can reach people that I can't reach, the pastor can't reach, that the conference can't reach. You have access to people that we don't have access to. It's the same message that Wald and Jim and Jess and I have told the prisoners in the jails. You can reach people that we will never get access to. The same is true for each of you. If you strengthen your faith, Jesus will give you the power to reach those people and He will give you the power to deliver them. Friends, it is my deepest prayer that you continue to grow in Christ so that we all see each other in heaven. Please join me in singing the closing hymn, number 608 Faith is the victory.